Welcome to Mildly Interested. I'm Joe Whitefield. In this short series focusing on economic and behavioral economic themes for organizational leaders, Ryan Whitefield and I discussed the books Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke and The Honest Truth About Dishonesty by Dan Ariely. Enjoy the program and thank you for your interest. And welcome to the program. This episode, uh, we'll be dealing with uh, Dan Ariely's uh, book, The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. I'm Joe Whitefield, joined in the studio uh, today by uh, Ryan Whitefield. Ryan, welcome. Hello again. Good to be with you again as we talk about uh, a couple of topics. A couple of topics. Honesty. Dishonesty. Well, that's a big topic. This uh, this feels like a trap. Um, you brought me in here, uh, maybe under some different pretenses, and now you've you've got me uh, talking Doors about locked. talking You're about not... lying. Yeah, this is uh, this is strange, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I think uh, we've got some interesting information here, some interesting things to deal with. Again, very curious about this topic. Uh, I've mentioned before. We've talked before. Um, Dan Ariely, behavioral economist, um, uh, is a he writes about this, talks about this, and so he. I think he's onto something here that, that I think has been it's certainly informative for for me, and I think to you a little bit. But I think it'll be informative, I think, as well for our uh, listeners out there. So let me take a, just a minute and set this up for you. Sure. Uh, Dan, as he has talked about in, in in the book and other other places, the 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 thing that kicked this off for him was he's looking around. And he's seeing at a time of a lot of great scandal. Across the United States, you're seeing the collapse of Enron. You know, you see the Bernie Madoff things. You're seeing a lot of things, particularly in financial institutions, where there's a lot of fraudulent and scandalous activity that's going on. And and he says that he's asked himself uh, along the lines of like, you know, these these few bad actors, these people that do these terrible things. Uh, he wanted to look into that. But the other question is, how can that be? How can one person? be responsible for so much fraud and it not be found out, it not be uncovered, the accountability. The, we talked before in our last episode about checks and balances, right, about verifying things. And so so one of the things he, he kind of discovered uh, as he was looking at going after one or two people and the big scandals, he uncovered this sort of culture. And you know where I'm going with this. Um, he uncovered a culture whereby, um, as he says, Turns out, a lot of people cheat a little. We think about a few people cheating a lot or lying a lot. He says that what he uncovered was that a lot of people cheat or lie a little. Now that was kind of that was kind of the aha, the discovery here. Uh, so let me ask you: Does that first right off the bat, how does that grab you? That a lot of people are cheating and lying. Is that a stunner? Uh, it is not a stunner. Um, it is not a stunner to me, uh, particularly because I do it all the time. Um, full disclosure and full honesty here. Um, you know, <laughs> one of the main one of the main reasons that first came to my mind with uh, me and you talking about this is uh, your audience should know that um, you don't speed. You drive the absolute dead speed limit, exactly how it's posted, the legal speed limit, all the time. Um, I don't do that all the time. Uh, when you're not in the car, um, especially when I'm when I'm traveling back and forth on the interstate, I, I've got a habit of just going five or six over, and just cruising at that the entire time. I've, to this point, I'll knock on wood. This table's wood. Uh, have not gotten a speeding ticket yet, and have not been pulled over. Um, but you know, honestly, I think that almost kind of encapsulates what you're talking about. Is you know, 
a lot of, you know, everybody realizes, you know, you know, there's a line. The speed limit is the line, you know. If, you know, if you go grossly over it, if I'm going 90 miles an hour everywhere I go, I'm going to get pulled over all the time, and uh, you're going to be really angry with me because there's going to be a lot of tickets coming in the mail. But, you know, if I'm if I'm just going just a little bit over, um, you know, you can, you know, if you're just going a little bit over the line, you can you can extend that, you can get an advantage, and, and you can get places <laughs> faster without, without consequences. Well, that's a great example um, of what he's talking about, again, what he discovered here. And you've hit on a couple of things. One is the incentives for this, because it sounds right off the bat. You say, everybody's lying, everybody's cheating, nobody's telling the truth about anything, and, and it sounds very pessimistic, you know, and, and just a terrible, terrible shock and, and disheartening even, right? But he goes on to try to, and do a lot of experimentation and a lot of things like that, he, he qualifies that in, in a pretty interesting way. And he does it in a way very similar to what you're describing. He calls it the fudge factor. Basically, he's saying that the incentive for most people who cheat or, or move these boundaries like that, it's not to maximize all of the uh, benefits they can get. But there, there's a certain amount of benefit you get from, from cheating, right, or from lying. Sure. A certain amount of benefit. People want those benefits, um, but they really the limit as to how far they'll go is, for most people, is determined by if they can look in themselves in the mirror and still feel good about themselves. Sure. Right? And so... That's 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 the litmus test. He calls that the fudge factor, right? So we're going to kind of refer to it from this point on as like the fudge factor, the way he does, right? Which is how far people are willing to fudge on a speed limit, on a you know a golf scorecard, on your taxes, in business every day, you name it. You know, there's there's this opportunity, almost an endless opportunity, to move boundaries and rationalize things. Um, so the fudge factor. Sure, and the fudge factor, you know. It sounds very innocent and very small, and, you know, a lot of times it is. You know, you talk about, you know, how how far over the line are you crossing, you know. Um, it can, the consequences of it um, can depend on, on what it is. You know, not necessarily how far you go from the line, but, you know, what line are you even talking about? Are you talking about, you know, a speed limit? Are you talking about a golf score? Or, you know, are you an accountant at a, you know, multinational business um, that employs a bunch of people and is a huge part of the economy or you know there, there's or, are you a, a politician are you an educator you know or how, are you influencing people by doing this I mean there's you know fudging a little bit um, depending on what we're talking about can can have very very different consequences that's really a one of the things about the book that make it important is not understanding that the fudge factor is real and in play for a lot of people uh, for Basically everybody. It's it's a human condition uh, that people will fudge. I'll include myself in there just like everybody else. So uh, I'm not really going to debate the the veracity, the truth of that statement. Let's just deal with it as it's it's stated. Because the thing is, do we really want to live in a world where everybody's lying all the time? I I don't think so. I mean, I I, I don't want to be lied to and cheated and scammed and and, and things like that. And and as a result, I don't want to lie to and cheat and scam however the reality is is you know we all have to check ourselves and think okay where are we rationalizing things for our benefit sure okay and there certainly can be blind spots so it's important because obviously these things can can rise to the point of even being criminal right you're talking about the consequences and so just before we kind of get on to uh, another topic this this idea do you remember um hearing about the fact that lying a little what that does to the next lie the next lie the next lie 
Well, uh, if I remember correctly from the documentary, you know, the, the receptors in the brain, you know, the brain adapts is what he talks about. Yeah. Um, you know, the brain adapts, you know, small little, small little lie here, look around, no one calls you on it. It's like, okay, so, you know, the next thing you do, maybe your next lie is, is a little bigger, you know, a little um, more hard to believe. But, you know, you look around and no one calls you on it and it, and it works out and you don't have any consequences. So, you, know, you just keep getting bigger, but... You know, and even if you were to do, you know, the same level of lie, we'll say, you know, the next time, you know, you do one lie and then, you know, the next time you, you do about the same level for the next time, the, you know, the brain doesn't respond how it does. The brain doesn't get excited. It doesn't, you know, it realizes that there's no emotional, you know, distress or emotional stimulation from it. Um, so with each lie, it has to keep, you know, it has to get bigger and bigger. And that's almost, you know, exemplifies how lies, you know, it's almost you know, symbolic of how lives spiral out of control and, and take on right. lives of their own. People talk about that all the time. And we used to talk about it like that, and it was presented just in terms of, you know, this is well understood. What's interesting about this is he goes back and does research on it, right? Sure. So you have these, you have this sort of research that backs it up. It's one thing to talk about. It gets easier. To, the more lies you tell, the easier it gets. The more you cheat, the easier it gets. And yet when he goes into a lab and he hooks you up to a machine and, and has some ingenious little experiments, you know, uh, to, to bring these things out. He basically tells you what we've always sort of believed, but I think the other key is that it's really more rampant and more in play than we would believe, right? And so it's not just occasionally a little white lie told, occasionally, it, it's, it's, the fudge factor's in play quite a bit with just about everybody. But that is a good point about just why it's important to, to know the subject personally, right? Because, you know, the, 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 the more you're involved in it, the easier it gets, and even the body responds, the emotional response. So even lie detectors, according to some of the information presented, even lie detectors can be fooled based on stress levels because you don't stress you. Sure. So as we think about why this might be important in business and in in life, obviously, um, it, we, we want to have an environment where we don't, we want to have a more honest environment. We want to make better decisions. You know, you know our, our economist... We want to make better decisions and have that lead to better outcomes, and so we have to have information that's that's real and truthful, not based on deception and lies. So he talks in his book and in the documentary that you, uh, the book that I read, and the documentary that you watched on this, he talks about some things that kind of influence where that line is, the fudge factor, right? Where everybody has a line on a on an issue, what moves it out and what moves it in toward honest. So one of the things he talks about is uh, a conflict of interest, right? So, I don't know if you remember about the conflict of interest. What did he say? What was your takeaway when he talked about conflict of interest? Um, well, for conflict of interest, his example um, within the documentary was, um, you know, NREL, for people who don't know or haven't seen a picture of him, his face is very badly burned. Um, he had um, an accident and um, he talked about going to the doctor and the doctor was going to, um, was really encouraging him to get this one specific surgery that would make his um, face more symmetrical. Yeah, that procedure, uh, because he's he's got scar tissue on half of his face. Yes, right? yes, right. exactly. Um, and so, you know, his doctor was really, you know, trying to persuade him to do this and, you know, he was kind of unsure, you know, it was kind of a permanent surgery, you know, he was he was kind of um, wavering on it and he he ultimately decided not to do it and as he... Um, the story goes as he talks to the to the woman outside who works for the doctor. You know, he's like, man, he's really guilt tripping me about not getting this. I, I don't I don't understand. She goes, well, you know, he, you know, he's doing he's conducting research, and in order for the research paper to be valid, he has to have you know three participants, and you would have been the third. So 
you know, it, there's there's confirmation, or, you know, not confirmation bias. There, there's bias everywhere. Right. And that conflict of interest, because you have other competing things to do, you know, it's like, uh, and maybe this procedure uh, was, was possibly a very good thing for him, but it was his choice, but presented with, hey, there's, there's other benefits for other people along the way. And our lives and our work and everything is, is very comprehensive and complicated, so there's always an opportunity. Hey, if you'll do this, I think you can benefit from this, but I know this is how I'll benefit from it. Sure. Right. There's a point at which that, that conflict of interest, I mean, that line, how much I benefit, if that becomes the dominant motivator, because I'm going to benefit from this, and so that becomes why I lead you down some path, then that's kind of in a poor man's way, what I call a conflict of interest, when that takes over. So there's a lot of opportunity for that. A lot of opportunity for conflict of interest. Um, but conflict of interest is one of those things that's, that's, that's ever-present and, and can be a real influencer to get people to cheat, to lie, to manipulate you know, at a level that they wouldn't otherwise. Sure. Another one that he talked about um, is when you're, in a, when you're in an environment where everybody's doing it. You know, doesn't that make it easy? You know, easier to kind of go along with the crowd. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen it. Um, there's high-profile cases, doping in, you know, world cycling. You know, uh, everybody's doing it. If you're not doing it, you won't compete. That's the story now that everybody's been caught. That's the story everybody has. But it, but it's all centered on the idea that everybody's doing it, and if I'm not doing it, I'm not. I, one, I can't be competitive. But it also, it let it, 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 the walls come down if everybody's doing it. It's easier to, be, to do, right? I think those opportunities, like you just described, are you know becoming even more prevalent and more easy. Um, you know, the further we modernize as, as a society and, and with new with new technologies. I mean, for an example, for me, you know, I'm I'm in college right now, I'm looking to graduate soon. But you know, there's this one app. I know I know you probably won't even know what this is. It, it it's an app called GroupMe. Have you heard about this? No. Do you know about this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> no. It's it's called GroupMe. Okay. So it's it's essentially like texting, right? But you, you can have, you know, it's like a group text. You know, our family has group text. You know, um, you know, mom and sister and me and you, we're all we're all in it. So we all see each other's texts. It's essentially that. But you can use it on a you know, very big, grand scale, and you don't have to have people's cell phone numbers to do it. So it's a very valuable tool for people currently um, in school right now, like myself. You know, if you're, in, if you're in a class, you know, if I'm in my economics class, you know, everyone in that particular class, in that particular time slot, will just all get in the same group me, you know, the same group text. And we'll have the ability, you know, to text, you know, to send one message to everyone in the whole class. It's just an easier way to communicate. But with that, you know, you comes opportunities to, you know, to talk and communicate, you know, for one about homework, you know, and, or for one, you know, about the teacher. But, you know, it, it presents opportunities to you know, to cheat. Where, where, where is that fudge factor? I mean, how much are you going to help someone on homework? You know, are you going to, you know, send them this formula? You know, are you going to have your phone out during the test and be able to communicate with everyone in that class specifically without, you know, the professor? Um, so, you know, and, and just in the world in general, I mean, with, with podcasts and, and streaming, I think media is becoming more niche or, or niche, you know, it's, it's smaller. You, you can connect with people with the same you know, interests you and, you know, people who are similar to you all the time. And, and you know, I think that makes it easier. And you know, when you're with people who are, who are so similar to you in, in, in those numbers, you know, it creates echo chambers and, you know, you can, you can really kind of convince yourself of, of anything and it makes that, that fudge factor um, easier, easier to cross further, if that makes sense. I think that is uh, one of the great 
inputs here. I, I, I kind of uh, interested when I when I read Dan's work. A lot of his experiments, you know, happen on college campus. I mean, he's at I believe Duke University, and he works with other researchers at other universities. So you hear about you know he tests these theories and sets up some again. Uh, ruin it but uh, or spoil it but he's got some incredible setups for testing these theories and these experiments right but a lot of them are done on college campuses and so the fact that you're you know again about to graduate and you're finishing your undergraduate experience and it's like uh, that's why one reason I want to do this with you right because <laughs> is because uh, what does this sound like to you I know what it sounds like to me sure. as the old guy right but what does this sound like to you and, and as you go through and explain the dynamics again you know when I was in school and we had our own versions of fudge factor thing. but as you talk about the technology though the opportunity for, for for grouping and group think and group dynamics here right in this case the dynamic that we're uh, concerned about is taking a is taking a, a good communication tool and using it as a way to uh, um, for, for bad if you will now, if it encourages everybody's doing something negative but everybody joins in and you get that group momentum Sure. You know, that goes along with that. And I think that's the takeaway, you know, one of the takeaways for the book is to understand that if everybody's doing if you if you have a culture that is, this kind of stuff is permissible, that the line that we don't cross is way out here, then that's that's very, very dangerous. Right? It's very dangerous. And so that's one of the things as I think about business and families and stuff like that, where you know, where do we set our standards uh, as a group in our in our public and corporate activities, you know, where do we set those standards? in school you had the same kind of thing right um, so this sounds a little depressing a little bit right that everybody's bit. everybody cheats everybody lies and there's ways in which that that line that people uh, design for themselves that they won't cross they put it away it gets further and further and further away right the other side of this is that there there his research shows there are ways that bring it back right if we want to do something more positive about this um, and so one of the things he talks about is that in their research, they're able to kind of zero on the fact that he says that everyone has a moral code. Everyone has, you know, has a sense of morality. So the point is to get people back thinking more about that morality and that code instead of, instead of uh, whitewashing and watering down morals that move the line out. Let's, let's elevate that, that idea or that discussion and, and, and draw the, the, the fudge lines back closer. What do you think? They can... That, that's a great point, and you know, I don't, I don't think it has to be some huge, you know, cultural paradigm shift, you know, to, to stop the. I mean, he's, you know, it is like you said, it is kind of a pessimistic view. Everybody lies. It's only getting worse. You know, we're all going to die. No, yeah. but it, it, you know, his his research shows that even just small reminders, just just small reminders, right before you know you engage in something of of uh, your own moral compass or, or your own. Um, you know, morality, your own, you know, ethical um, sense of code, just small little reminders can have huge impacts on, on how much on how much you lie or, or where that fudge factor, where that is. The idea that, that everyone has a moral basis for their, you know, everyone has a, a level of integrity, right? Right. So the thing is, what is it? Well, I don't have to define it for you. I don't have to lecture you on it, uh, which that kind of hurts my feelings because I've given you so many lectures on that over the years, right? So many lectures. So many lectures. So that sort of undercuts that. But the idea is that, again, you have a basis for it now, right? And you're responsible for that. Like I'm responsible. We're all responsible for it. So the thing is we should act according to the moral 
you know, our ethics and the moral code and convictions that we say we have, we just need to be reminded of those. And that simple act of reminding someone of that will go a long, long, long way. Uh, it's not a lecture. It's not a defining it for me. It's just saying, hey, you know, uh, know who you are today. Whatever, whatever it might be, there may be any number of ways to, to kind of get that turned on. His research shows that when that happens, when they're able to do that, uh, the cheating and the lying comes, you know, it, it decreases dramatically. In many cases, goes away. I find that very encouraging. No, it's it's uh, it's like I know you'll remember, you know, especially when I first turned sixteen, right? I first get my driver's license, and you're just letting me leave the house and going, you know, going wherever, you right. know, yeah, no way for you to know, but. Uh, <laughs> but one thing you did, even I think you kind of you kind of knew knew that and knew that I was having more freedom and new new opportunities to for that fudge factor for me. So one thing that that has always stuck with me that you you'd say it every time before I leave the house and go somewhere. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You would say that, and just that small reminder right right before I left the house with no one watching me, and I could go anywhere I wanted or see whoever I wanted to do anything. Just that small little remi- reminder. Um, was was huge for me. I mean, it, it didn't take some huge lecture from you on, you know, don't go to parties, don't drink and drive. You know, it, it was it was none of that. You know, it, it didn't it didn't take that. It didn't warrant that. It was just that one little simple reminder right before I left the house, and and that that did that did huge amounts for me. Well, the the thing is, and remembering who you are, because the, the the full statement ultimately is, if you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. That I think really really uh, encapsulates what we're talking about. People have an ethical... It, it's a sum total of all that stuff that you know and you've been taught, but basically it's what you've internalized, and it really is who you are. And it's, it's drawing you to who you are. Uh, the book and, and the documentary and the whole subject deals with that. I think we all deal with it every day, this idea, and, and we may be a little shocked to think about how much fudging is going on around us or in our lives or how much we do it. So what a great reminder, I think, to go back and look at that and not be blind to that fact in our homes, and certainly in our organizations, uh, to make sure that we're uh, operating honestly and with ethics and making good decisions and removing a lot of uncertainty that comes from, uh, de- comes from deception and deceptive practices. Absolutely. Well, that's going to be a wrap for this one. Uh, if you'll stay tuned, we'll probably try to put a bow on these uh, couple of books, and we'll have a, a wrap-up session uh, for our listeners. Thank you. Thank you.